You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco Asset is proud to bring you the region's best coverage of University of North Dakota athletics, both home and away. All four road games for UND Hoops this week, live on Midco SN, beginning Wednesday and Thursday at SDSU and concluding Saturday and Sunday at NDSU. It's all on Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shaves Podcast. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast, taping this on a Monday morning, January the 13th, episode 23 of the new year. Bill Shaves, Alex Energy with you. School's back in session, Bill. How about that? Students back on campus, things getting kicked off tonight on Monday, and then full classes resume tomorrow. Second semester here in full force. Yeah, it kind of makes you feel like uh, when when spring semester starts, there's probably two things that help you, I'll say, through uh, a cold snap is one when the semester starts, second semester, because you know spring is coming, and probably the words pitchers and catchers. Those are probably the things that can help you through, right? I knew you were going to go there. And I agree 100%. That's, it's a nice benchmark in January. Yep. When that spring semester gets going. And then in February, when you start to see baseball happen, that's when you know we're not that far away. It feels like we're a little bit far away right now, but we're not, we're not that far away. I'm looking at the, uh, the uh, weather forecast here in the next seven days. And uh, yeah, we're actually, we're actually knee deep in it. To tell you the truth, that's, we, we are probably right smack dab in the middle of, of this thing, but that's fine. Uh, you know, you, you do what you do, and uh, um, it, it's just fine. I, I can tell you this, most of our venues are 70 degrees and sunny, though. Yes, they are. Yes. The Betty's a beautiful place to go, even when it's negative 15 outside. The Ralph, when you get 12,000 people packed into that place, doesn't feel cold. It, it's really... It's really a great time of year to go to a sporting event, support your local team, get out there. So you you all, from a Midco standpoint, very knee-deep in the content right now, huh? I mean, it's like literally, it feels like every single night. And again, given, and I know we, we've talked at, at nauseum about our Summit League schedule based on odd numbers of teams at this point. But uh, boy, it seems like you all have uh, a, a game a night on in, in, in some ways. We're in that mold. Yep, this is this is kind of where we are. Uh, this past weekend, we wrapped up our eighth game in nine days when you add hockey into the mix. And yeah, when you have Wednesday, Thursday, and then sometimes Saturday, Sunday, like it is this week, yeah, there's going to be something going on pretty much all the time. And that's, you know, that's okay, especially because like we talked about weeks ago, it is really just these two months. It's this two-month stretch in January, February when basketball is at full go in conference play. And then March, of course, the beginning of March is crazy with all the conference tournaments. But I think knowing that it is this condensed, crazy time, and it is fun. It is really fun to see these teams play each other that have so much familiarity with each other. That's what helps you get through when you know it is going to be, gosh, this, you know, four nights a week, five nights a week that you're going to have something going on. That's, that's part of what makes the job fun. Couldn't, couldn't do it year-round, for goodness sake, but it's nice when it is just these two months. That's crazy. No doubt. No, well, it gives you the appreciation if you actually did play-by-play for a Major League Baseball team, huh? Oof. I mean, that, the, what, I mean oh, that is a tough one uh, right. as far as how that would go. Um, but, you know, I think from our program standpoint, it, it really feels like – you know, the second time around for, for many of us, not necessarily for Coach Sather, 
but um, it, it makes a difference the second time around. You just been at places, and you know you're accustomed to some of the uh, uh, you know teams, the coaches, the the players. It's just um, I don't know. It just it feels like we're just that much deeper into it, if if, if you will. I, you know, last year just everything was just all brand new, and uh, um, so it feel you know again I, we've got Coach Sather and a couple of assistants that are new to all of this. And then we have so many freshmen on our, on our women's team for them. It's all brand new, but for many of us, it's at least the second time around. Yeah. That's what's so unique about this year's basketball season. Cause you hit it on the head right there. There are 11 returners on the men's basketball side, but a new coach and, and two new assistants that haven't quite been through this before, even though Zach Horseman was an SDSU player, he kind of knows how this whole thing goes. And on the women's side, the coaching staff's the same. But the team's completely different. And so they're kind of going through this. And I think we sort of saw a little bit of that this weekend down in Tulsa, where you've got you know, a women's team that is playing in the maybe center for the first time. And that's a difficult place to go play. It's a big building. Sight lines are a little bit wonky when you're trying to shoot. And if you've never played there before, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. And that's it's just one of those things. Um, and obviously for the women, too, by the way, they had played on a Thursday. They got a travel day on Friday to get down to Oklahoma. And then they got to play Saturday afternoon. It's a tough it's a tough turnaround for them into a new space and maybe you don't want to make excuses but part of the reason why you could see they just didn't shoot it very well in that defeat to Oral Roberts after looking pretty good against Omaha just a couple of days before. Yeah, lucky, you know, in this case scenario, we took a look at our schedules uh, this year and and Becky Lucky, who who's our CFO, she does a great job uh, with the finances uh, um, here in the department. We kind of, you know, looked at how could we budget potentially um, two of the teams, both men and women chartering together. And so they actually chartered down to Tulsa, which was great. And so that gave them an opportunity to uh, at least um, take a little bit of the travel puzzle away from it, uh, given that short turnaround. But you're right, Alex, even if that's the case, it's still a tough turnaround to, to kind of make that happen. And uh, yeah, I, you know, you go on the road, um, you know, I, no different than teams come into the Betty, you know, you have expectations of winning here at home. And so there's no question that ORU had the same expectations. And, you know, I, I we were okay for a while in that women's game, and then it just kind of got away from us. And then uh, it, all of a sudden, it turned into an 18 point game, you know, somewhere along the line, it was six to eight, and then all of a sudden, it was 18, it felt like it was done. And, uh, and so you're going to have one of those uh, every once in a while. And then on the men's side, pretty, pretty tight for for a little while, then it kind of had that situation occur where two players got ejected and that kind of got a little uh, strange and then they made some threes I mean they were they yeah. were pretty uh, pretty good from three as you were calling the game uh, in the Ralph uh, I was kind of watching it uh, on my phone as well so I was kind of you know double dipping a little bit but they they they, they made some shots last uh, you know on Saturday night yeah 11 threes I think for the Golden Eagles in that game 57 percent from the floor yeah UND didn't play poorly and had a good offensive night and really cut it Cut it down to about eight midway through that second half, and it looked like they were going to have a shot to maybe get something out of the game, and then or you went on another run and just you know got that separation again. But again, that's a good Oral Roberts team that was picked to finish second, I believe, in the conference. If I, if my memory serves, maybe maybe second or third. I think they and USD were right there in the in the mix. But a good team with a lot of veteran guys coming back. You know, for the men this week um, who go, who dropped a 2-2 two and two now in Summit League play after losing by 4 to Omaha earlier in the campaign, it's it's one of those weeks where you start to learn again some things about your guys and now there's a little adversity. 
How do you respond? And then they have a big opportunity on the road at Frost Arena against the South Dakota State team that has won four straight and is rolling at the top of the standings. And then they get to play NDSU in Fargo on Saturday, a rivalry week off the back of a couple of tough losses, a good chance for Paul Sather's team too. have, you know, if you ever wanted a week to bounce back, boy, this would, this would be it. A great chance against some of your oldest rivals to try and get back on the right track and keep things rolling here in the Summit League. You're right, Alex. I, you know, it, it, we knew this going in, it was going to be a tough stretch for sure. And uh, you, you really do need to ch- sort of bounce back and, uh, you know, uh, and, but going obviously to Brookings and then Fargo, uh, both on the, on the men's side on Wednesday, Saturday and the ladies Thursday, Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, fraught with opportunity, but certainly, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, obviously not easy to win on the road. So, uh, so we're going to have to be on point and, uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, I, I would assume these, these, these days here practice wise are going to be huge for us. And you're right. Uh, South Dakota state's been playing pretty darn well on the men's side. So, uh, so we'll have to see, see what, see what transpires. That good challenges ahead for this men's team for the women. Again, same, as you said, same type of schedule at Brookings on Thursday, at NDSU on Sunday, two very different teams that UND will face in those two. South Dakota State's won six in a row. They're 5-0 and atop the league standings. North Dakota State yet to win in conference this year. They've only got two, two or two D1 wins on the season. But again, it's your biggest rival. And that's, <laughs> you know, UND right now is 3-1 and in conference play, 12-5 and overall. Coming off, you know, probably a disappointing performance. And they'll be looking to get backtrack against a good South Dakota State team, just like the men couple tough road games, got to find a way to try and maybe get one of these or hopefully get two and kind of solidify your spot as one of the teams to beat in the Summit League this year. Yep, no doubt about it. So it, it should be a fun week, uh, no doubt. And uh, I think uh, I think you all have all the action, right? Uh, Midco's got all the action. Yeah, it's exciting. These, these road games from Brookings and Fargo and Vermilion and Omaha, by the way, all those games will be on Midco SN. So it's exciting that we can bring these games back. If you can't make the trip down, even though, hey, it's only an hour to Fargo, get out and support on the weekend, make the drive down. Brookings, obviously, just a little bit farther. But if you can't make the trip, all those games will be live on our network. So that's really exciting. We can do that now that the team's in the Summit League to really expand that coverage because we've got that footprint up and down I-29. No doubt. So, you know, all that to be said, uh, we, you know, we're 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 in it. It's mid-January, and uh, you're going to go through some peaks and some valleys with uh, with both these these teams for a variety of reasons, right? Uh, as as our staff, our coaching staff, gets to really kind of solidify, you know, what they have on the men's side, and then our ladies again, literally, just uh, you know, just so many new faces, just trying to figure out roles, and it, they're they're like a puzzle that just you're trying to fit different pieces at different times, and you know, you know, we're we're gonna. It, you know, brew that that's both, I guess, maybe sometimes the, the, the thing that drives them into work and that maybe it can drive them crazy too. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, but, but at the end it's fun. I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's the reason why you do it. And so, uh, um, should be, should be a fun week. Yeah. What has brew told you about this class and, and this, this season in your conversations with him as the year has gone on? Yeah. I, I, I think he's been really understanding that they come in with a a pretty good level of confidence about what they've been able to um, achieve, uh, certainly in their prep days, um, probably AAU days. But now you're trying to work them into the college scene. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, they're going to face stiffer 
maybe talent than they've ever faced before. And so he's trying to do two things, I think. Make sure that they play with that swagger that they have, because you can kind of tell they, they play really with a confidence, but also you're going to also kind of figure out, all right, are you how how do you value possessions, uh, time and score, those types of things? I think uh, is still evolving. And uh, so, like I said, I think he's used the term roller coaster a bit. And it, and and I think you know, I mean, there's going to be parts of the year where it's going to feel like you got to hold on a little bit, you know. And uh, you know, but I think I think our our team is. Um, it's pretty. It's 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 pretty well. I think it's got a little bit of a corner cornerback or closer mentality where I think they do flush some things, and I think uh, you know hopefully we can flush Tulsa and move on to this week. There you go. That's a good way to look at it, and that's Bruce said that a lot. Like, hey, they don't know any better, and they're going to bounce back. It's a resilient group that, as you said, does have a lot of confidence in themselves, and on the men's side as well. A good good opportunity to erase a couple difficult results from the weekends and get back at it against the Jackrabbits come midweek. I would agree. Uh, speaking of kind of, you know, being able to bounce back and flush the results from one night and come back strong the next night, UND Hockey at home this weekend didn't play poorly on Friday night against Omaha, but, you know, it, it was it was kind of one of those things that you've won nine in a row, you've won 13 in a row at home, unbeaten in 15 straight, you hadn't lost since October, It's difficult to win college hockey games, and it was inevitable that at some point UND was going to lose a game. You you, you just you just aren't going to go unbeaten the rest of the season. It just doesn't happen, and it just so happened that this Friday, game one, the start of NCHC play for the second half, Omaha came out and were just a, a little bit crisper over the course of the first 40 minutes. And that was enough to get the job done in the end. A 6-3 win for the Mavs on the strength of a couple empty enders that made the score line a little more, you know, flattering for the visitors, but. But great for this team to bounce back then the next night and really put on a, a comprehensive performance and earn the 4-1 win to take the split. Yeah, I you know, I thought Friday night, you know, even at 4-3, um, you know, given the fact that certainly that wasn't Adam's best game of the year, for sure. I mean, I think he'd be the first one to tell you that. Um, but you're going to have those types of games, and we still were grinding. And uh, even, you know, besides the the two empty netters, we had only allowed 11 shots all night. So, yeah. so again, I it, we played well enough, right, to, 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 to win the game, really. Maybe maybe not well enough in a sense of, of, of certain goals that, that, that went in, and obviously we were behind, but that's an Omaha team that, you know, like college hockey. And, and as we've said, boy, th- all teams are talented. And so, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to have some of these, uh, you know, uh, occasional, I guess, hiccups with, with uh, any team. But, uh, but I thought we responded pretty well on Saturday. I thought we came back out and, you know, took control pretty uh, early on and, and to get a three goal lead pretty much, you know, gave us a chance to, I'll say cruise home, but, but, but at the end of the day, I did a pretty good job i think uh, just just taking care of business and so uh, i thought thought the energy level was a little bit uh better on saturday uh and not that it wasn't necessarily um uh that flat on friday but the one thing the other piece that that's that's just the truth is you know school hadn't started yet and uh i, I will say our student body does give us a, a semblance of energy that uh um that i think the, all of the Ralph enjoys when they're there. And, uh, and, you know, so I uh, appreciate some of the high school bands that came out and, and kind of filled the seats as well. I know we had, I think four local high school bands that, 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 that helped uh, be there and they, 
they provided a great atmosphere for us too. So all that to be said, Alex, you're right. You're, yeah. I mean, the last time we had lost a game, we were at Cal Poly in football. <laughs> That's, isn't that something when you really think about it? It's been a long time. That's a long time. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 I like, I like the fact that we have high expectations and thoughts, but you know, boy, uh, Cal Poly seems like a long time ago. I think the temperature was like 65 degrees that day in Mankato when they lost. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. The changes pre Halloweenville, we've had three major holidays. We've turned into a new decade since the last time UND hockey lost the game. It's crazy. This is sort of maybe a stupid question, but is a loss a good thing? I mean, a loss can be a good thing when you look at the season as a whole, right? Sometimes you sort of need that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you don't get too high or low uh, on any of these things. And I, I think uh, I, I heard uh, Coach Jackson, you know, talk after the game uh, with Tim. And I thought he did a good job just describing that, you know, you can win games and maybe you're not, uh, I won't say excited, but you can see things that need to be uh, pay attention to. And you can lose games and you're playing at a great uh, level and you are taking care of business and you just happen to lose games. I think maybe what you're maybe describing is that having a result such as this maybe gets you back to to uh, paying greater uh, attention to certain details because winning can mask some things. But I think at the end of it all, I, I mean, probably better to learn in a win than a loss. But um, but I think in this case scenario, it got our guys maybe refocused a little bit because this is a pretty good team. We're a pretty good team. I, I, I mean, we're going on all cylinders. And so uh, um, so I, I think from that perspective, you could be right. But um, eh, I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not a big awesome. We can learn from a loss type guy. I, I, I'd rather le- I'd rather learn from a win. Yeah. And that's I would say most of our coaching staff, I think, regardless of the sport would probably agree with you. I just know sometimes, like you said, sometimes when you win and you don't play well, that level of like, well, we were still able to get the job done. And even if you can look at the film and realize, hey, if we do this again, we might not come out on the right note. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes you, I, th- I thought the guys had much more urgency on Saturday. And obviously Brad made some lineup changes to put some new guys in that were really were fighting for their opportunity. And that helps jumpstart the team a little bit as well. But sometimes I think, especially with hockey, when it is a long season like that and you have had this long run, it's weird to say, but it almost like you do need to taste defeat and remember how bad it does feel to look at the scoreboard and see you have lost a game to sort of cherish a little more. Like, oh, hey, I hate, like some of the guys talked about this. They hate losing almost more than they enjoy winning. And when you've enjoyed winning for so long, you sort of, Forget the fear and the loathing that comes with being on the wrong side of that. I don't know. Like I, I'm with you. It's nice to it's nice to win all your games, but when it is a 30 for UND this season, a 36 game regular season or 35 game, I guess because it was just the one game exempt. That's a long way, and one loss isn't going to make or break you. No, no. And, and you know, I thought that I thought the it, it gave maybe um, Coach Barry a little bit of an opportunity to put Casey and uh, Jackson and Josh into the lineup and play significant role on Saturday. And I, I think that's important uh, to 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 make sure that your whole roster is as sharp as it can be because you never know when you're going to be called upon. Literally, you really don't. And so um, I thought that was a good uh, outcome for Saturday for us. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it, when you get that many games, uh, you know, and, and, and you have, I'll say it one through 60, 
there's there's good players on every single team and you know it could be just a you know dumb luck puck uh you know uh, uh you know skip of a, a deal goes into the goal and next thing you know you're down and, and and as as brad likes to say you start chasing the game a little bit and and you know and, and it felt like that's what probably occurred a little bit on friday and weirdly right we we got into a a little deal where the second game in a row where we gave up a goal inside of a minute and so you know g- games change I, it doesn't it feel it just feels like you go into the whole game and then and it changes just within a minute. I mean, I hate to go back to Liverpool, Tottenham, but that's truly felt like that way in the Champions League last year. It's like you prepare all this time, and all of a sudden, you know, or someone runs back a kick, uh, you know, to start open a game. It's just weird how those things work. Yeah, rip up the playbook sometimes and have to start over, and especially in a low-scoring sport like soccer or hockey. Kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, UND, again, happy to come through with the split after a good performance on Saturday. Now they head on the road for the next two weekends at Miami this weekend, uh, which, by the way, will resume CBS Sports Network's coverage of the NCHC. So even though the team will be in Oxford, I believe we'll have a 5:30 game that'll be on national television. So kind of cool. If you can't, if you don't have NCHC.tv, you'll still be able to watch the game live on Friday, and then uh, the following week at Duluth, Midco SM will be picking up the Saturday game, and, and CBS Sports Network will have the Friday game. So. Three of the next four on the road will be live uh, if, if you're a Midco subscriber and get CBS Sports Network. So good good news there. Miami, obviously a team that UND has played before. This is the first time they'll have an opponent that they've seen already this season back on the schedule. They swept the Red Hawks back in November in their first NCHC weekend of the season. The first game was not close. I think a 7-1 win for North Dakota. The second game was a 5-4 victory. Sometimes, you know, you play a team a second time. Oxford's been a tough place to go play sometimes. You can't always guarantee it's going to be the same result, but I think UND will be confident going into this weekend to try and keep things rolling and, and maintain this grip of the top spot of the NCHC. Yeah, I mean, I, as we know, the top, it doesn't matter who you're playing, especially on the road in this conference, it's going to be tough. So, uh, no, I think we'll have a good week of practice and then uh, get to Oxford and, uh, you know, see see where we go from there. I, I would agree, you know, all of this that we've said as, you know, potentially it provides opportunity for the team to hit a reset, a little bit of a refocus and uh, and really now get into it because uh, obviously it, it, it now picks up every single weekend. Yeah, two big road weekends coming up, then a home series against Colorado College, then a bye, and then we're in the home stretch. It's incredible. This this season goes by just like that. So be sure to watch uh, that team from the road coming up this weekend. Uh, also on the road this weekend, indoor track and field hitting the road. They'll be at SCSU on Saturday, their first real meet since December, and really their first sort of, I'm sure they won't be quite at 100% full squad, but this will be a meet where you'll want to find out some things as we start transitioning into the indoor season. The championships really are just a month away. It's their first of two trips down to Brookings in back-to-back weeks. Good opportunity for Christine Engel and this crew to get things going. Oh, yeah. I, you know, and again, I, you know, you, you know track and field as well as anybody, but boy, that it's a uh, uh, sport that just, again, never ends in some ways. But uh, now they get really in, knee-deep into their, uh, uh, into their indoor season, uh, obviously culminating in the indoor championships. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Christine gets her first look of uh, uh, things down in Brookings, and uh, we'll see what transpires yeah it should be fun look forward to those results coming through yeah great facility down there und by the way will host a pair of indoor track and field meets coming up this january and february so a chance to watch our our tracksters make things happen in grand forks coming up in the weeks ahead anything else from you bill from a und or ncaa perspective 
Anything else happening? Last thing, uh, tomorrow, uh, which is a Tuesday, which when this gets released, it'll be today, uh, is uh, we're going to bid farewell to Steve Brecky uh, over at the Gretzky oh, Alumni Center. And so at 4.30 to 6.30. And, uh, and and so if you're if this gets uh, out into the uh, – um, uh, if this if this gets out there mid afternoon on a Tuesday and you're listening to it and you want to uh, say thank you to Steve, uh, 4:30 at the Gretzky Alumni Center. A good thing to go be a part of. Steve obviously been such a big part of this UND athletics department and this university for a long time. So great man, go pay. I don't want to say go pay your respects, <laughs> but go show your appreciation. Maybe is the right way to say that. I love the fact that he gets an, uh, you know, a different chapter. Uh, you know, he's been such a stalwart here, uh, both obviously as a student athlete, and then went out and you know did his career thing prior to coming back for the last fourteen years. And and literally, as he likes to say, and he he's a hundred percent right. It wasn't a job; it was fourteen years of trying to provide op- an opportunity that he was provided himself. And uh, that's kind of a cool way of looking at it. And so, uh, so we'll pay we'll pay him uh, the the correct uh, respects uh, on uh, uh, on Tuesday, and uh, and wish him the best. And the good news is he's not moving. He's going to be still be around, and he'll be uh, uh, you know I guarantee you he'll be he'll be helping us just in a d- different vein. I think that's an accurate way to describe Steve. I would say he's still going to be very present around UND athletics and still supporting this university. Just not in an official context, unofficially. Yeah, as an alum. Yeah, perfect. One other sort of NCAA UND type thing before you, before you officially flip. Obviously, it was a big weekend for our, our friends from 75 miles to the south, North Dakota State winning a football championship again, uh, eighth title in nine years. There has been a lot of buzz in the aftermath of that, as there has been in recent seasons when they've had these sorts of successes, about fans clamoring for them to make a move and and jump up to be an FBS school in football. What are your thoughts about that? I feel like when most people look at this, it's sort of from an outside perspective and you're not really thinking about the numbers and everything that goes in with making a a big jump like this. What are your thoughts when you hear those sorts of conversation? I don't want to say rumors because it's not a rumor, but those sorts of conversations and and the the logistics of what that might entail. Yeah, well, so so let's... Let's look at it just from an FCS school. I mean, uh, I, it, regardless if it's NDSU or UND or SDSU or Eastern Washington, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think you have to look at it and say, what's your end game? What's your end game? Like, like really, what, where, where do you want to go? And, and, and so if I'm – now, let's just look at it factually. If I'm Cincinnati or Connecticut, the music stopped – and they don't have a chair in, in a Power Five conference. And I, I, I'd say that if you're going to go into the FBS world, I think at some stage your end game needs to be in one of those conferences just because of the multimedia rights dollars that are associated with it. I think if you're in a group of five, I, I don't know like ultimately what you would be going there for. Like, I, you know, I guess it, let's just say it was any one of these. I mean, if for, for, for an Eastern, it, it could be, I don't know, going into the Mountain West, I guess, or Montana, or is it you go to the Mac? And, and if you go to the Mac, uh, you know, are, are you trying to just stay there? Is that your ultimate goal? 
And here, I, I've always been a big proponent that the FCS is a very regionally relevant um, uh, you have conferences very regionally relevant that on an annual basis, games matter. And so now if you go the next step, will all those games really matter? We watched it with Idaho. I mean, you know, Idaho yeah. made decisions to go FBS and they went from the Sun Belt to, you know, um, I, I can't even remember uh, the, the various conferences they went mm -hmm. to. But, you know, uh, but, but they might have been trying to get into the WAC. I don't know. But the long and short of it is, you know, they, Louisiana Monroe playing Louisiana, let's say Lafayette, is regionally relevant. People care about that game. Louisiana Monroe going to Moscow, Idaho is not so much. And so I guess that to me, it's a long way to say, and that's the reason why I guess we do the pod is what's the end game. What's the end game. And I, I don't know what's the end game for any, any FCS school. You can look at old dominion. You can look at, um, Troy, I guess you can look at Liberty. You can look at a lot of Georgia Southern, you know, are they better off today than where they were in the FCS? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I struggle. I mean, if you go to the Meineke Bowl, I'm sure the Meineke Bowl is great. And I'm sure it's a good experience for the two teams that are there. And I'm sure it's a, um, it's a nice capstone to the year. And the one thing that I will say about bowl games, and, and this is you know my truth, is that out of how many bowl games there are, half the schools will end on a win, which is neat. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it is. I mean, I you know, you kind of reach the apex and you win the game and then you move into the next year um, on that kind of high, if you will. But um, I think it's different than running a table in a tournament. And um, yeah, so if it's the Bison, if it's us, if it's South Dakota State, if it's USD, if it's Sam Houston, what's the end game? What's your thoughts? I would agree with you. I think that that's really what makes sense. Like, do you want to be, when you think about the level of investment and the increased investment into the university's athletic department to be able to make a move like that, you're going to have to pump so much more money into improve your facilities and, and travel will be an issue and all the things that go along with it, scholarships, et cetera. For what though? You know, when you make that jump, you, you've gone... You know, for many of these schools, whether or not you've had this great run of success or if you've been a good program that just wants to kind of make a leap and have a little more stature or status or whatever, I just, I don't think that there would be, the, the returns you would get, the ROI that's going to come back when you are in a group of five conference or an independent, if you can't even land a conference or wherever you are, it's not going to be that great. And if you could somehow make your way into a, power five conference, which I don't think would be a logistical opportunity as a FCS school jumping up. Even if you could do that, you're going to just get pounded for a while. I mean, it's just there. It's one thing I think for a team to have success on a one-off basis. And obviously in NDS use case, I think they've won their last six FBS games and some against good schools, but it's different when you get one of those games a year that you can really amp up for sort of around an easier ish schedule and it's different when you have to play those teams week in, week out. And that's not to take anything away from NDSU's success. I just think that for, for some folks out there that think that, hey, we've won all these titles in a row. Let's go on and see what we can do at the next level. The gap is still so great between the schools that we're going to see tonight on Monday in Clemson 
and an LSU and the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world, et cetera. There's no way like you're in a different playing field still. It's still it's a different sport so that you're still that you're playing between yourself and those other schools. And and th- those are the types of schools that are going to get opportunities to win a national title where North Dakota State has the opportunity to do so. And UND and these other schools, you can lift a trophy at the end of the year and really give your athletes and your fan base something special. And uh, and those those opportunities will essentially be gone at the next level for schools this size. Yeah, the best the best case scenario for for a school that's done it within the last ten years, and then ten years or greater. Uh, the last ten years, I would say Appalachian State probably has done it as well as anybody uh, to some degree. Been ranked in the top twenty five at like twenty five or twenty four, and has has done a nice job. It really has. Um, and then obviously, probably the 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 one that has done it the best, if you will, is Boise State. And, you know, and, and even Boise at some point, I think they're still undefeated in the Big East, right? They they were in the they were in that little like circular musical chair thing and they never actually played a game. So I don't know. They're they again, I I don't know how that works. But but the reality of it is um you know even they I, I don't think anytime soon it, uh, will be in the Pac twelve. I don't think, and and I think the bigger picture of it all is, and why am I making such a big deal of that, is there's such a disparity between contracts, media contracts, between the 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 those FBS five conferences and all the others, and you know, without those resources, I don't know how you legitimately potentially compete, if you will, and and even then, you know. It's been challenging for a school to to kind of you know break into that. Just look at UCF, right? I mean, it's just uh, it's just hard, just hard. So so all that to be said, maybe it's good conversation. I like where we're at. I like I like <laughs> this. I do. I think there's I think there's you know on a on a week by week basis, we're back geographically where we need to be, um, and we have regionally relevant games on a weekly basis that people really care about i think that's great i i do i maybe i'm old school but that that's that's the way it used to be and i feel like we provide that that we provide that lane for for college football fans yeah and i would agree i I think there's just so many good things about the fcs right now and the way that it's constructed and, and where our schools here in the dakotas are situated this is i don't want to I don't want to, you know, say like this is as good as it's ever going to be, but this is kind of as good as it gets. Like, I don't know what more you want. You've got teams close by that are competitive and that care about their sports and there are great rivalries and there's opportunity to do something special and to win a championship. And it's not easy to do so. I mean, North Dakota State went 16-0, but they had to earn earn those wins and it was not an easy cakewalk road. It wasn't like they were playing NCAA football on PlayStation on the junior varsity level. I mean, they, they had to earn these things. And uh, and I and I think we should enjoy that and and not be so caught up in like wanting to be the best of the best of the best of the best because it's just not there are some things that are in the way of that the system isn't structured as an even playing field to allow anybody the opportunity it's skewed towards certain schools and towards certain conferences and those are that's a party that our the our schools aren't going to get invited to so we might as well make the most of what we've got on the outside of that which is still pretty dang good. And, and Alex, the, the the truth of the matter is so, so two things. And one, maybe we 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 
punch off a little bit for for a later pod to talk again about I th- what I believe to make the FCS even better. I mean, I I, I believe that I would hope that we're continuing it on that going down that path, but um, you know we are in that game. Let's just say from a men's basketball standpoint, and and it's hard even in that because the way the guarantees work, and we've talked about that in a previous pod, it's, 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 it's a skewed system on how it works, right? You pay somebody to quote unquote beat you so that then those wins help you at the end to get into a tournament that gains you more money to go pay money again to go play someone that you beat to go back into the tournament. So it's a never ending circle or cycle. And and so all that to be said, we have a pretty cool lane in this football thing. I just am still perplexed and blown away that it never has really taken off nationally at some point in time. And even ESPN to some degree, um, it's still interesting to me that we haven't done more i would say to promote this because there's some pretty special and talented um student athletes that got their opportunity in this subdivision and you know what the reason why they're in the subdivision they've gotten to a certain level and then they're going to go play and make a paycheck on sundays for sure it was interesting during the coverage of the national title game that they spent more time talking about the FBS title game almost every year and the game that they were watching. It just, it's funny how that is sometimes, but that's the world we're living in, I guess right now. Yep. We just have to continue. We have to be thankful and grateful that the game was on ABC. Yes, that's true. Which was awesome. And, you know, and so, but I just, anything that we can do to help ourselves, then to potentially help, and I'll call it because the platform ESPN has is, you know, would be would be a great thing to do. And I'm sure there's folks, the committee, the FCS committee, and folks in Indianapolis are certainly having those conversations. But I still, I'm bullish. I still think there could be more to be done. You know, even bottom line scrolls through playoffs. I I, I just think that that's something that we just we just don't do it to the level where I think you could do it. I, I really do. And and so, and somewhere along the line, that's a choice. Someone's making a choice. So there you go. That's what I got for you. <laughs> that's pretty good. Thanks for going down that road. It's, I just, I, it, good to hear your thoughts about this whole process. Cause it is, it's still be something that'll keep coming up and, and you never know, maybe UND will get involved in that situation someday where people are asking, why is it North Dakota going FBS in football? Or why is it, it's just fun to hear what you think about that. I think that really crystallizes the situation well. It's pretty good. I think that's the grass isn't always necessarily greener, even when it's in a the the exposure might not be as big and the dollar signs aren't as big, but doesn't mean it's still not important and doesn't mean it doesn't matter to people and isn't entertaining and all the things that go along with that. So all that to be said, I'm glad we're at where we're at. And I'm glad that the system is how it is. What we're excited about next year and get your season tickets now for football is, you know, we've got Valley schools coming in now. I mean, that's kind of cool. And, you know, and I'd say as, as much as we loved what the big sky provided us and provided the opportunity to be there, it wasn't easy to get to Cedar City. Not easy to get to Flagstaff, not easy to get to Moscow, not too easy to get to Cheney. I mean, right down the list. So all that to be said, um, I think it's a little bit, this is, this is where we need to be. 
and this gives us an opportunity to really, you know, kind of get after it, uh, knowing that this is the best conference in, in, in FCS. I, I, I do believe the Big Sky is second, um, and uh, but I do think the Missouri Valley is the top. And so uh, this gives us a chance to, to get after it against the best. Yeah, exciting. 2020 is going to be an exciting year. And it just got a little bit different, by the way, on the football side as we're talking about this. Eric Schmidt moving on to be the defensive. Well, he's going to be a defensive staff member at Fresno State. Brett Halenka quickly installed as the new D coordinator after spending a year as the outside linebackers coach. Pretty quick turnaround, but obviously something that Bubba was prepared for. Kind of talk about your your vantage point in the conversations that you've had with with Bubba and these these hiring decisions in the midst of Eric Schmidt leaving. Yeah, congratulations to Eric. I I think you know again if you want to scratch the FBS itch at some point in time, I think you need to think that through. And uh, obviously they had a coaching change at, at Fresno. And so uh, he was uh, fairly well connected and uh, he's kind of like on a ground floor of a, of a coaching uh, change. And that always is helpful. And so I think it was a difficult decision because, you know, Eric bleeds, uh, bleeds UND green. And so uh, um, I, I think though, you're always thinking ahead, right? You know, what happens if a staff member departed, do I have someone on the current staff that potentially could 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 ascend to that position? And I think you know um, you're always thinking in those terms. And I think uh, you know Bubba was uh, you know excited about what what potentially Brett could bring to the table. He's got some outside experiences outside of UND, which I think is uh, important uh, for sure. I mean, it doesn't always necessarily have to be that way, but uh, but I think he's seen it in some way, shape, or form through other uh, eyes. And, uh, you know, I think he can take maybe what Eric has done and uh, and then maybe kind of, you know, put his sauce on it, so to speak. Interestingly, him coming back, him coming back, I think even for the one year makes a big difference because now you're not learning or hearing about what, you know, was done in the past. You were living it. And that's a big, big deal. I do want to ask and we've talked about this on the pod before, but for new listeners that are jumping on or some people that haven't heard this conversation, when there is an assistant hire like this, how much conversation is there between the head coach of a team and yourself? Is this Bubba coming to you and saying, hey, I want to hire Brett Halenka. Here's why. And you say, yep, that sounds good. Or is it more of a dialogue of like, hey, what do you think about this? How about this guy? Should we look outside the program? Talk about that process from your chair when assistant changes are made. I think my role, or at least I hopefully, knock on wood, part of my role can be uh, a sounding board and, and, and provide feedback and ask good questions about um, a lot of different things. And, uh, and that's kind of how this played itself out. And, you know, I think if, if you have a good relationship with your head coaches, they want, they hopefully, number one, want your opinion on certain things and, and hopefully they value it. And, and cause I can say, well, this is what I see from the chair that I sit in. And I, you know, I'm uh, admittedly, I, I'm not at all their practices. I don't install game plans. I don't recruit players. Uh, I help to recruit recruit them. I mean, when they come to campus, but that's the, that's the coaching staff's job. But my job, even like after games, like as long as I know it's the right time, I try to go and ask questions of the coaches in a very good way, not in almost like a, a way that I, I'm, I'm questioning what they do. I'm really like just curious, wondering why certain things occurred. And then all of a sudden that leads me to, yeah, well, in practice, you know, someone wasn't feeling well that day or so. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't know that stuff. 
And so, um, so to answer your question, I think an administrator, an AD, uh, sport oversight, whatever you want to call it, um, we need to be really curious and, and support our coaches when they're going through this process. Because being a head coach, it can be a lonely position. I mean, really, I mean, you're not going to go to your staff per se and, and kind of ask, you know, your staff, you might broadly ask some things, but, um, but if I can do a little bit of a, uh, uh, if I can help the coaches, you know, through the process, then, then that's kind of my job. Yeah. You're not a Jerry Jones in other words is what you're saying in this situation. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I, I have no interest in being the AD head coach. <laughs> Well, on that note, if I were, by the way, if I were a head coach, I would certainly come to you and ask your advice in, in, the, in my fleshing out of my assistant staff. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be a candidate for any head coaching job here. Just so, just <laughs> let's get that straight on the pod. We don't, we, we do not want to, 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 to get, have anyone think that just because you're interested in that, that, that you're going to be interested in any position. Oh man. You know, when Chris Logan gets the call to go on and, and coach, you know, the Liverpool ladies team in a couple of years, you know, I'll slot right in. Give me, give me the whistle, Bill. I can take, I can take the reins. We're going to give you the big whistle. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'll stick to what I'm doing. Thanks. Got Thanks. it. You're, you're I, pretty good at what you do. I'll stick. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you are too. So, yeah. Uh, you want to flip, by the way? Should we flip over to the B side? Flip for a couple of minutes. Let's let's do it. Um, busy weekend, a lot of different stuff going on. Uh, you mentioned Spurs Liverpool in the Champions League final a moment ago. Let's maybe talk about their most recent encounter, the latest Chaves Heinert Derby in the Premier League. One nothing to the Reds at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What were your thoughts on the matchup, Bill? Yeah, I, you know, Liverpool is just on a ridiculous run right now. So I, I thought, you know, if you could got a point out of it, it would have been awesome. Um, I had already kind of plugged in a, a Liverpool when I thought the Spurs played okay. They've got some injuries right now. And so um, I don't know. It, it, I, it, weirdly, it, okay, glass half full for me right now is like with the injuries, I think it provides um, Mourinho the opportunity to kind of maybe think about how he really wants to play with uh, his his roster of players. And uh, and so I, I'll find it interesting. Like right now, they're a solid 500 team. I mean, can't be any more 500. <laughs> now the question is, what are you doing from now until the end? Like, like to me, they're zero and zero, and they've got they've got to make up they got to make up points on Chelsea if they want to get to the top four. But I just want to see them play well right now. That that would be much like we were talking about hockey uh, on on the A side. I just want to see them play with a little bit of fire and play well. And so I'll be interested to see what transpires. But yeah, Liverpool, they're just, they're really good. I'm not going to disagree with you. It's, it's incredible. 61 points in the league is most anybody scored at this point in the season. In any top flight, in any of the five major leagues, it's incredible. They've only dropped two points all season. Just that draw against Manchester United. So they're just rolling right now. And yeah, like you said, this game could have, could have been a draw. Like Tottenham... Uh, Liverpool had almost 70% of possession. They had more shots on goal. They had some good opportunities to extend the lead. They didn't, though, and Spurs had a couple of good chances. They really had a good push at the last five minutes or so. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso had a horror miss with uh, either a minute left in regulation. It was right at the end of the game. It was a good cross-in by Serge Aurier, and he, like, sent it. It was... Uh, 
It was one of those where you look at it and think, it was, was that harder to miss than it was to make? Like the percentages of you being able to just tap it in versus skewing it so far wide, I would have bet money that that would have gone in the back of the net. But yeah, there were some good sides from Spurs. Even though you've only won one of your last five in the league, you're nine points back at Chelsea for that Champions League spot. Still a ton of soccer left. You got till the middle of May. So many matches to go. And you're still alive in the Champions League. There's still a lot to play for for your Spurs. It's a uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, the, I think the biggest result of the weekend was the uh, turnaround of uh, Leicester and Southampton. That was interesting. Yes. I mean, what the, Southampton lost by the largest amount I think in Premier League history nine nil. Nine nil, Bill. Nine nil. That wasn't good. Nine. No. I mean, there and wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of empty netters too. <laughs> and then they turn around. And they beat the team that did that to them, Leicester City, 2-1 to one this weekend. It just goes to show, you just never know what you're going to get any given week in this league. And as, as they like to say, you know, it depends on what form you're in. And uh, since they made that uh, coaching change, they've been in pretty good form, Southampton. Well, they Southampton actually did not make a coaching change. So Ralph Hassenhudel has been there since last year. So he was brought in halfway through last year and helped save them. Watford has had a great bounce. Yep, they have had. Nigel Pearson came in. They've had a new manager bounce. And Everton has had a bounce, right? A little bit. Carlo Ancelotti's come in. So they when they switched it to Big Dunk, Duncan Ferguson came in. That was uh, early December because we were in Western Michigan when he was coaching. He was like the interim coach for a couple of games. And then they brought in Carlo Ancelotti, who's a big name. And Ferguson has stayed on as kind of his number two. And they've played better. They're, they're not like the worst team in the league anymore. So, there, so there's that. Yeah, they've had a new bounce. It's, you know, sometimes when you make a coaching change, you don't get much of a new manager bounce. Spurs obviously got that right away from Mourinho. Now we've kind of seen, well, they've kind of regressed back to sort of who they are this year. They did. But sometimes in the case of Watford, that change might save their season. They've gone from being by far the worst team in the league to having a good chance to finish mid-table. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, my last word on the Spurs is I, I, I will know that it's going in the right direction when they finally get a clean sheet. Mm. So that that has not been able, you know, Mourinho has not been able to uh, kind of get that done there. And, and, and I'm saying it's not his complete fault that they're they're just pretty leaky um team and and so but they played a young kid uh at left back against y'all and uh that's kind of interesting so i just like i said i i find it fascinating much like the Steelers season this year where you kind of found out what you didn't have behind ben uh, and and then find out that you know what you still have a shot i think going into next year to be kind of competitive uh, i do believe that um uh, didn't break my heart the ravens lost at all um uh, so <laughs> Uh, nice to see them get bounced uh, 0-2 the last two years. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, as long as they have that little thing hanging over their head, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, so it's just, it's, it's good. It's good. Oh, I love it. That's probably a good segue to talk. Just a couple, couple of quick hitters. Again, NFL, we have Ravens-Titans. Titans move on. Big surprise. That Chiefs-Texans game, what happened? Like that was, it was 24 to nothing. And the Chiefs score 41 unanswered points. Like, what a complete pendulum swing of momentum in that contest. It's kind of funny. I, when when Bill O'Brien, when they went for when they uh, when they uh, faked the punt, I, I, it was two things either going on there. One, they knew that they didn't have enough points at that point in time, and they needed to keep 
the ball and go. So we might as well do that. So in that sense, I don't blame them, but that really put them in a pickle. Yeah. I would say that if they knew they didn't have enough points, then why did they kick the field goal on fourth and inches on the previous possession? Like if that's your mindset, like we need to score touchdowns, Man, you have fourth and inches from it. It was a red zone opportunity, right? They were on about the 20-yard line, if not a little bit closer. It was just such a weird decision at that point in the game to try something like that from your own 25. And that's, I'm not saying that's in particular what lost them the game, but man, that's sure, <laughs> they were giving it. They were offering it to Kansas City at that point, saying, here, here you go. Here you go. You can, t- you can take it. We're good. And I, I don't know, I don't know Kansas City's personnel much, but give, give whomever tackled, you know, it was a great open field tackle. Yeah, Sorensen, their safety. Yeah, he made a couple big plays. He made the force the fumble on the ensuing kickoff as well. Ooh, I'll tell you what, well, I, it kind of feels like. So if you go to the NFC, I, boy, I am not a Green Bay or San Francisco person. I mm-hmm. like it's just I. I <laughs> I guess I'm going to root for Green Bay because San Francisco's won more Super Bowls. So I kind of want them not to, 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 to win that sucker. So, so I guess, I don't know. I, I'm rooting for Andy Reid. There you go. I'm rooting for Kansas City. I, I, Andy Reid's had a great career. Seems like a good dude. Seems like he d- gets it done right. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that they can get it done. But, you know, they'll have their hands full. I mean, th- th- this team is coming in hot I mean, you've, we've seen hot teams, right? I mean, the best Patriot team of the Belichick-Brady era lost to a hot team. The New York Giants, yep, mm-hmm. in 2007. Yeah. And, and so this is, this is a hot team. And uh, what Henry's doing is beyond belief right now. So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it wouldn't, if they held the ball for 38 minutes and beat Kansas City, it wouldn't shock me. No, at this point, no. I for this team to beat the Patriots on the road, beat the Ravens on the road in back-to-back weeks in the style that they did. I mean, it wasn't like those two teams turned the ball over a ton and they were fluky games. I mean, the Titans won those games. And like, as you said, controlled the ball. Obviously, Derrick Henry going for, what, 195 or whatever on 34 carries. Like, they just keep, they've figured it out. Tannehill's thrown for under 100 yards in both of these playoff wins, and it just hasn't mattered. They've had good defensive efforts. They're, they're old-school football right now that is getting the job done, and it'll be an intriguing matchup against a very new-school football team in Kansas City that wants to air it out and can't be stopped at the moment. So that's a fun matchup. How fun would it be if it was Chiefs-Packers? I mean, that would be kind of fun. Super Bowl one rematch in Super Bowl 54, an all-Midwest Super Bowl. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it, if that's how it plays out? I would be surprised. It seems like Green Bay doesn't travel well. It seems like they have not been great on the road. I, I it will surprise me. I think San Francisco gets it done, but uh, yeah, I, I would say the Green Bay Kansas City Back to the Future Super Bowl one game kind of cool, <laughs> kind of cool. On the flip side too, if it's Titans 49ers, the six seed in the AFC against the one seed in the NFC, that'd be kind of fun too. This great underdog story, all the things that go along with that. Either either way, it'll or whatever matchup between the four teams that we have left, it'll be a fun Super Bowl coming up at the start of February. Yeah, I give Aaron Rodgers some credit, boy. He he made some big plays, a couple big passes at the end. I mean, and Russell Wilson was great, great. Right. And so uh, it was it was a couple good games. So, I mean, this will be out tomorrow. So we'll end on this, end on this, is this will be out tomorrow. So let's, let's call it tonight. Clemson or LSU? 
I'll let you go first, Bill. <laughs> I'm going to stick to what I said to my son. I think Clemson wins the game. I, I think I think this they're going to be dialed in. I think they've been waiting all year for this. Now, I would feel way better if it wasn't in New Orleans. That's that's sort of the one mini X factor in all this. LSU in New Orleans for a national title. Man, that place is going to be yeah. That place, there's going to be a lot of purple in that place. Yep. I, I Clemson's just been through it, uh, and um, you know now. LSU's had one heck of a year, but if you put me on the spot, I'll say Clemson 31-28. Oh, yeah. Even even a score here from Bill. I think it will be a really good game. Um, I'm going to probably just take LSU because you took Clemson. I think Joe Burrow's had a, a storybook type of a season. It would be completely conceivable for Clemson to go back-to-back and keep this incredible run going, and they've got a little bit of destiny it feels on their side. Some of the calls in that semifinal game against Ohio State, it just feels like that this is a team that just does this and wins these games. But it, either way, I think we're in for a really fun game tonight down in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I think I think it would safe to say. Here's what's safe to say. I, I know every game's its own, but they've been in that moment. You know, LSU has not, and but LSU's been really good this year. I mean, they just uh, they've been special, and uh, you know. Burroughs just had one of those years. Boy, he could cap it all off, right? I mean, I mean, just the trifecta, right? I mean, to go ahead and win your win your league, the Heisman, and the national title. Wow, that's that's pretty special. Yeah, and be the number one pick in April in the NFL draft. I mean, like that's. Whew. I don't think many guys. You'd have to go through the history books to find someone that hit all those benchmarks. Heisman, national title, number one pick. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's happened. I'm sure, but man. Not a bad year. And he's an Ohio kid, right? Yeah, he's an Ohio kid. Correct. Cincinnati has the number one pick, right? Yep. Uh, imagine that. I mean, it's just crazy, really. So, but good for them. It, it should be a good, it should be a great atmosphere for sure. Yeah, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Well, as you listen to this, you'll know if, if Bill is correct and it's a Clemson victory or if I am. Either way, the Tigers are going to win. That would be the easy answer. Just go with the Tigers. Go Tigers. It's either G E A U X. Or G-O Tigers, right? <laughs> Depends how you spell it. Yes, sir. You got it. Good stuff. Well, Bill Chaves, always a pleasure, buddy. Enjoy another busy week of UND Athletics. We'll chat again next week. Stay warm, everybody. Happy second semester. Thanks again for listening. For Bill Chaves, for Cassie Niles, our producer, I'm Alex Heinert. Stay warm. Happy January. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>